Amen. Uh, it's good to be together. I'm kind of impressed that Mark can coordinate with the I can't even coordinate like the top and bottom part of my, my outfit all the time. So the fact that you can match and coordinate with Linda, that's great. Um, uh, Mark, as he was praying, just mentioned just the church being uh, family. And it is, it is. Uh, not, it doesn't just feel like it, it, it really is. And so we're grateful uh, that God has put this family together. We know that families change over time. Uh, so one of our faithful family members uh, served as a deaconess for a number of years, especially serving women in just discipleship and care, and that's Chris Murray. And so uh, she got married, and that means that's a gain for David for sure and a loss for our church because she's living, uh, going to be living with him, which is right to do. Uh, so going to be uh, living with her husband, but they don't live here anymore. So today's Chris's last Sunday with us. Chris, we love you. We're thankful for all that God has done both in and through you uh, during your time in this church, and may, may you experience God's rich blessing in a new place, knowing that He's going to use you in mighty ways uh, in a new church family as well. So thank you for being a part of this family. Uh, let's clap for her, because I'm grateful. Um, But one of the beauties of being a part of the Church of Jesus Christ is it a body that, that extends beyond one local church. And so we're grateful uh, that she can be a part of and serve in a body uh, in a new location. So uh, speaking of being a family, we got together. I just thought I'd show you a couple pictures really quick of our family camp, or our, sorry, our church camp. We just have an awesome property here, and it's just good for families to be together. So there's a picture. We had a meal on Friday night at 6 o'clock. I think there's 80-some people that showed up to eat smoked meat uh, and just lots of conversation. And then kids went out and played a bunch uh, on, on the, the lot. We've got, again, a great property for that kind of thing. It, God provided a beautiful night. And then uh, it got dark. We had a fire. Um, a lot of kids showed up when we mentioned s'mores, and then they disappeared and played games in the dark. And adults got to have great conversation around the fire. Some people camped overnight, so a bunch of tents out there. But if you, if you go to the next picture, uh, so Adam, he's, I don't think he's here today, but Adam wasn't going to stay overnight, but other people convinced him you should, and so he just got a sleeping bag and slept on the ground all night. Uh, so that picture I took in the morning right before I woke him up. Uh, and then in the morning, we had some uh, devotions around the fire again and, and ate breakfast together. So for many that uh, helped contribute to do whatever we did over that, the course of that, it was just good to be together as a family. So uh, thank you for that. One other announcement before uh, we jump into God's Word, and it is just a, a word of thanks and a quick update and report. You have continued to be a generous church in so many ways. Your giving week in and week out, supports the ongoing ministry of the church here locally and our missions partners all throughout the world. It's vital, so thank you for your regular giving, and we've recognized that it would be beneficial in a number of different ways to add some space to the building that we meet in. Uh, today it's full, uh, bathrooms are typically full, and so we're going to add some space out that way, and that way, uh, if if God continues to lead in that direction. And so, uh, just a couple of updates. We asked for commitments by the end of July. Some have trickled in since then. So just a quick update. The next picture, we were, our goal was we want to have $300,000 committed to being given by January 15th. Uh, and we got more than that. Now, 
up to 327000 that you all said that you would give towards a building. Uh, the next slide just has uh, more of an update. So we already have $100,000 put away in a CD. Plus that three twenty-seven makes over $400,000 that you as a church have committed to this project. Uh, we expect it'll cost more than that. So you've also committed that after January 15th, over the next years, an additional $176,000. So, so basically, uh, you are continuing to be generous in your commitments to give to this building project, trusting that God will use it to bring about fruit. So thank you for that. Here's where we're at in the process. Next slide. Um, Plans are being made now. So that's a pretty passive experience for most of us. Uh, the building committee's working with an architect and, and planner to make some plans. That will go out for bids in November sometime. And then the next step that we're all involved in, except for that bottom portion, which we're praying throughout this whole thing, the next step that we take a, an active role in is uh, voting in November and December. And so, although many of you committed to, I'm going to give this much in September, and it's now September, we're still saying, let's wait and make sure that we get the bids in so we have actual numbers and we make a decision to go ahead as a church before you start actually giving. So you've made those commitments. Thank you for that. Hold on to that. Stuff it in your mattress or whatever you do until the church votes in November or December uh, to proceed. And at that point, those commitments that you've made uh, can start coming in. So uh, the plan would be then if we vote yes, that building would start in the spring of 2024. So we'd have some more space to gather. So um, that's the plan. You have questions about that. Um, you, can, you can contact the church office. We'd give you a phone number uh, or email address of somebody on the building committee that you could talk to. Uh, the plans uh, that we have so far are back on that back wall if you want to look at that on your way out. So there's extra stuff. Now uh, we get to do what I want to do, and that is just open up the Word of God. Uh, and look at it together. This is what we need. Uh, so if you have a Bible with you, open up to Luke chapter 6. Here's the principle uh, to get started this morning. The principle is this, that often a problem that is noticed on the outside is an indication of a deeper problem underneath. Yeah, that's the principle. Often a problem that is noticed on the outside is an indication of a deeper problem underneath. So if you live in a house and your kitchen floor is sloping, that's problematic because you might set your soup or your cereal on the table and it starts to come toward you. That's problematic more so if it's soup than if it's cereal, right? You're going to end up with something in your lap. And you might think the best solution to that is you roll up a couple of napkins and put it under the, the legs of the table on your end but that's not really attacking the problem at its source. You might want to check and make sure the foundation of your house is solid. Similarly, someone experiencing unexplainable swollen legs and ankles might think, well, that's kind of inconvenient. Maybe you pop a couple ibuprofen hoping that the swelling goes down. But if it doesn't, you might be alerted to the fact, I should see a doctor because this could be a sign of congestive heart failure, right? So, so oftentimes, something that presents as a problem on the outside is an indication of a deeper problem underneath. Today's sermon is called What's Underneath, and it's really a sermon on a sermon. We've been looking at Jesus' sermon from Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 20 is where the sermon began, and the points we've seen so far in Jesus' sermon are this. Jesus began the sermon by just not commanding anything, but just explaining, here's the way things are. 
blessings and woes, and it seemed backwards in many ways to us. The sermon continued with a string of hard commands. Really, that first set of commands focused on loving those who are against you or take advantage of you. Loving your enemies, loving those who don't deserve it, giving, giving generously to them and forgiving them. And then another string of commands last week about not condemningly judging others, but first examining ourselves before judging and helping others to see their own sin. So that's where we've been. And today is the conclusion of Jesus' sermon. And there's going to be two points and six pictures in which Jesus ends kind of how he began, not with another string of commands, but again, a description telling us this is how things really are. And then there's going to be some implied instruction that comes from that. Our words, here's the big idea today, our words and actions are a reflection of what's underneath. So, check your hearts, come to Jesus, hear him, and do what he says. And that's what we're going to see, I think, in this passage today. Kids, when you came in, and when I say kids, I'm talking like if you're 17, you're still, well, you're more an adult, but I gave you a sheet of paper anyway. And so you have this, and there's going to be a chance for you to draw some pictures on that. In a little bit, I'm going to tell you what to draw. And at the end of the service, if you could throw your drawings in this box, which I will put right here, okay? Uh, Put it in there, and then we're going to get these all like, covering that back wall so that next week when people come, they can see what you drew, okay? So, uh, pictures here in just a moment. I'll explain as we walk through. But first, if you're able to, would you stand? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read the very word. We stand because I'm going to say a lot of things. I already said a lot of things in Sunday school. The most important things that are going to be said are going to come in just a few moments when I read the very Word of God. So we stand to, to kind of set that, part, uh, set that time apart. Let's pray, though, first. Father, thank you that you have spoken. Thank you that you reveal yourself. We want to build our lives on a solid foundation. So much around us seems so sinky and shaky. And so I pray that by your Spirit, you would be laying even under us today, uh, that, that you would help us to see that you have laid under us a, a rock-solid foundation upon which we can build. And so... Uh, work by your Spirit to build us up together today in that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's hear God's Word from Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 49. God's Word says this, this again is Jesus preaching. And He says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. 
When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Amen. You can be seated. So adults, if you're not drawing pictures, you can take notes, a sermon outline inside uh, the bulletin that you picked up or were handed on your way in, and you'll see there we've got two points and six pictures, an application to go with each of the two points. The first point is this, what comes out reflects what's underneath, so check your heart. In many ways, I could have probably just included verses 43 to 45 with the sermon that I preached last week. It's really just a continuation of Jesus' emphasis that we need to examine ourselves. He begins with a couple of pictures. So kids, here's where you're going to start drawing stuff. Okay, In the first picture, you're going to draw what I read right here in verse 43. It says, no good tree bears bad fruit. So I want you to draw a picture of a good tree, but bad fruit on it. Okay, It's going to look kind of weird because normally a nice good tree wouldn't have bad fruit, but that's kind of the point Jesus is making. Okay, So no good tree bears bad fruit. By the way, pictures that I have up here, I thought it would be cool to have pictures for you all to look at, but I can't make pictures. Uh, we have artists in our church, and one really good artist in our church is Annabelle, who would prefer that I probably not point her out, but she's sitting in the second row, and uh, she did all these pictures for us today. So you want to see like these pictures, which have a lot more detail that kind of get washed out with the light in here, but they're, they're beautiful pictures that illustrate what Jesus is giving us here in, in Luke chapter 6. So you're drawing a picture of a good tree with bad fruit. But after you're done drawing that picture, here's what I want you to do. Draw an X through it. Because Jesus is making the point, that doesn't actually happen. You don't have a good tree bearing bad fruit. So he's doing these pictures first, and then he's going to do the principle. He's trying to teach us a principle, but he uses these pictures to do it. Then he's going to use a second picture in the last part of verse 43, where it says this. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. So the second picture we're drawing is a bad tree. It's got bad roots, not many leaves, that kind of thing. But it's still got really good fruit on it. So draw that picture. And after you've drawn that, you can also draw an X through it. Because Jesus is making the point, that's not the way it works. We don't get good fruit to grow on bad trees. So we get the picture. These are very clear pictures that Jesus is painting. Uh, Another picture that you're not going to draw, but another picture really in verse 44 is this one. It says, For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Uh, I, I took one agriculture class when I was in high school, and it was called Natural Resources. And we did things like a tree identification test. So we would study what different trees look like on the outside. What does the bark look like? What do the leaves look like? And that would be an indication of what kind of tree it was, right? I never found an orange growing on an oak tree, right? Never saw that because oranges grow on orange trees. That's just the point that Jesus is trying to make here. So what we see on the outside is telling us something about what's underneath, about the root system and what kind of tree the fruit is coming from. Okay? So you've drawn a couple of pictures now. Here's the principle in verse 45. 
the principle that Jesus is trying to get across is this. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So now you get to draw other pictures already. Okay, So the other picture, picture number three, is going to be this. Picture number three is going to relate to what we just saw there in verse 45. In verse 45, we see that a good person out of the good treasure of his heart, good things are coming out. So you see this good heart there in this person. And out of that person's good heart, guess what's coming out of their mouth and out of their hands? Good stuff. The fact that good stuff is coming out of the mouth and out of the hands is an indication that inside, underneath, there's a good heart. Right? And then, and then likewise, the, the next picture, picture number four, and you're going to have time after I'm done talking to draw a little bit more if you're having a hard time keeping up. Notice how the hearts there look different. What's coming out on the outside is kind of cracked and broken. And that's an indication that what's going on inside is also kind of cracked and broken and darker. Okay? So these are the, the points that Jesus is trying to make, and he's using lots of pictures, really, to help us understand what it is that he's saying. So when something comes out, whether in words or actions, we learn something about what's inside. The end of the verse, 45, says, Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, those of you kids and volunteers who are in Awana, that song just got in your head, didn't it? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that song will be in your head now for the remainder of the day and probably when you wake up tomorrow. And that's okay because it's just right out of Scripture. Right? Out of the overflow or abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When something comes out of our mouth, it's an indication of what is going on in our hearts. That's the principle of Jesus. Has anybody ever said, like you've said something, and then as soon as you say it, you realize you shouldn't have said it, and you say like, I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. Jesus would say, well, I do. It came from your heart. That's where it came from. Maybe, maybe you lacked a filter, but what you just said is an indication of what you've been thinking and feeling, what's going on in your heart, your, your emotions, your, your will, your desires, your thinking is what comes out when we open up our mouths. So Jesus' point that we saw at the end of last week is really still his point here. We need to examine ourselves. If we're seeing fruit on the outside that seems like bad fruit, that's an indicator that something is wrong inside. All right, so that's principle number one. A reminder may be in there for us to not make excuses for our words or behaviors, but look to them as indicators of something that needs to be addressed on the inside, looking underneath. So application point number one is going to be this. Because words and actions flow from the heart, two things, okay? Because words and actions flow from the heart, two kind of implied instructions that come from this. Number one, check your own heart. Because words and actions flow from the heart, we should check our own hearts. Sometimes, if you're like most people, you respond to other people in a snappy, snarky kind of way. Usually, that's most common with our own family members. And naturally, what we want to do with that is we make excuses or explain it away. 
I'm sorry, I'm just really tired. I had, a, I had a really tough day. Or my sister was just pushing my buttons. Like you, you, she started it, right? That, that, that something comes out of us and a word or a behavior that comes out of us and we want to be quick to like make excuses for ourselves or cast the blame on someone else when what we should do is check our hearts. Because what we don't need to do is just be a better manager of our behavior or a better, better uh, manager of our words, we need to be alerted to the fact that there's something going on underneath, and those things that are coming out are coming from what's underneath. I need to address that. Asking ourselves questions like, did I respond in that way because I'm really selfish? I'm going to need Jesus' help with that. Did I respond in that way because I really love getting my way and I don't like it when anything else gets in my way? I'm going to need Jesus' help with that. We need Jesus' help. Check our own hearts. Number two, though, is help others get to the heart. I'm going to talk to parents here specifically for a moment. Parents, we need to be constantly reminded of these principles from Jesus. Because as we parent kids, no matter what age, whether they're 3 or 13 or 30 or whatever... We're going to notice in our kids sinful words and behaviors. And no parent said amen, but you did it in your head, right? You're going to notice sinful words and behaviors in your kids. And sometimes your kids' sinful words and behaviors, sometimes they're frustrating. Sometimes they're annoying. Sometimes they're embarrassing. Oftentimes they're exhausting. You're wondering, like, how do I get them to stop picking at each other? How do I get him to, to eat his vegetables without complaining and throwing a fit? How do I get them to do their chores without whining about it? How do I get them to pick up their stuff without constant reminders? And so we see these behaviors and they're annoying, they're frustrating, they're exhausting. We would do well, parents, to remember that behaviors are surface symptoms of a deeper underlying condition. So it's not that we don't pay any attention to the behaviors, but we let the behaviors help us to see what's in the heart that we might address the heart. We need to help them see, our kids need to see, that they have a rebellious heart that resists authority and seems to think that if they got to do things their way all the time, the world would be a better place. And we need to help them see that God has put in place authority, us and then ultimately Him, for our good. So that's one of the tasks of parenting, is not just managing behaviors of your kids through punishment and reward kinds of systems, but helping them to see the heart that is underneath. Paul Tripp, I think, has a lot of helpful stuff about parenting. Here's a quote from him uh, regarding this. He says, We don't give way to irritation, frustration, impatience, or discouragement. We move toward our children with the grace of forgiveness, wisdom, correction, and rescue. And we pray every day that God will empower our work as parents and that He will change our children at that deepest of levels where every human being, including us, needs to be changed. So God, help us to not only check our own hearts, and, and parenting gives you lots of opportunity not just to see sin in other people, but if you've got little sinners that live with you, they're going to show you some big sin in your own heart. Right? 
We need God's help with this. And then we get to the second principle that Jesus is going to share. This time, instead of picture and then principle, he's going to share the principle first and then give us a couple more pictures. So we've got two more pictures to draw, kids. You're going to do that here in just a moment. But first, the principle. Look at verses 46 and 47. Here's what it says. Jesus says, why? Remember, he's talking to his disciples and his apostles. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. So Jesus is pointing out there's a breakdown that it should be kind of like this chain. That those who call him Lord are those who have come to him, those who hear him, and those who do what he says. But there's a breakdown in the chain in various spots, and he's going to point out one of them in the passage we look at today. Those who truly and follow, truly follow and submit to Jesus as Lord are those who come to him, hear him, and do what he says. So we've got a couple pictures. Ready, kids? Draw picture number five. Here's what picture number five is going to be. Verse 48. It says, He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So you hear about the threat. There's some kind of storm that's bringing up a flood and a stream of water is pelting against the house, but the house does not fall. It continues to stand. Why? Because the builder has dug deep to put the foundation on a solid rock. The principle here is, this is a picture. Jesus says, I will tell you what he is like. This is someone who has come to Jesus who hears Jesus, and who does what Jesus says. That's who's being described by this picture. Someone who comes to Jesus, hears Jesus, and does what Jesus says. Now, remember this. The people standing around Jesus, many of them have left a lot to follow Him. Disciples of Jesus, uh, and some of whom He has appointed as apostles very recently, they're going to come up against all kinds of opposition. Jesus says floods, storms, waves breaking, but, but the, the apostles are going to face, as they do the work that Jesus is preparing them to do, they're going to face threats, they're going to face imprisonment, exile, execution. They're going to face these things, and Jesus is saying, how will you stand? You are going to stand if you come to me, and you don't just come to me and say, Lord, Lord. You're not just saying that I'm Lord. You're living like I'm Lord. Right? You, you're hearing me, and you're doing what I say. One more picture. Picture number six. That's not what everybody's going to do. Right? So in verse 49, the last verse, we've got one more picture. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. What's going to happen here? When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. 
So what's, what's happening is the same kind of thing. There's going to be storms, things that come. The streams are breaking against it, and the last house stayed standing, and this one fell. What's the difference? What's underneath? The one had a rock-solid foundation. The other one had no foundation. The one house keeps standing. The other one falls. And notice that Jesus ties in the principle here. Look again at verse 49. He says, but the one who hears and does not do them. So the difference isn't that some people hear and some people don't. The difference that Jesus is pointing out here, in both cases, the people are hearing. The difference is, some people hear and don't do anything about it, and some people do. Okay? So, so Jesus, I don't think here is referring to any sort of like, you know, raging pagan atheist person. These are the people standing around Jesus right now. These are the people who have been intrigued by his teaching who have been amazed by His miracles. They are following Him around, and Jesus is saying to them that some of them are hearing what He's saying, but they're not doing it. And that is a house that they are building with no foundation, and as the storms start to come, it will fall. We've noticed this, that the commands that Jesus has, just even in this little sermon, The commands that Jesus has are hard. Love the people who are against you and take advantage of you. The people who don't deserve it. You love them. You forgive them. You give generously to them. You you stop first noticing the sin in other people and start examining yourself and seeing the sin there before you go and correct others. These commands are hard to follow and Jesus is saying here, but you must do what I say if you want to be the solid the house built on a solid foundation. Those who hear these things from Jesus and say, that's, that's a little bit too much. That's a step too far. That's a bit too hard. Those are the ones whose house is built on no foundation, which will fall when the storms start to come. So, application point. Application point number two is this. Because our response to Jesus determines whether we stand or fall, We need to do all those things. Not just one or two of these things, but all three. One, come to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus. It starts with Jesus saying, listen, we got to notice, this is a beautiful thing that Jesus is offering here. He says, everyone who comes to me. What a gracious offer. Let's not read over that. We can come to Jesus. Sinners who deserve God's wrath because of our sin are given forgiveness and new life by turning from sin and trusting in Jesus who lived and died and rose again. He died in our place for our sins. We can come to Jesus. What a precious gift. So fallen sinner, come to Jesus. On Christ, the solid rock we stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Whatever kind of ground you've kind of built everything in your life on, just know that that is sinking. That is not a foundation that will stand in the end. And so we have this invitation, come to Jesus. All who have come to me, and then the next thing Jesus says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words. Now, 
the people standing around Jesus on the plain on that day had the opportunity to hear Jesus' very words. Like Jesus was speaking and they were hearing him. In a sense, we have the same opportunity today. We hear the words of Jesus, in fact, all the words of God in the Bible. Do you have one? Do you have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, we want to get you a Bible. We have Bibles that we want you to have because we want you to hear Jesus' words. Now, just having a Bible uh, is great. Reading a Bible is better, right? Uh, reading a Bible is how we hear. It, now, uh, you might want to, like, maybe, maybe you read small portions. Maybe you read through large portions. Maybe you're new to reading the Bible, and you're like, I, I try, and I just don't get it, or I don't know where to start. We would love to not only get you a Bible, but connect you with somebody who could help you know how to go about reading the Bible. In fact, we do this a lot together as a church. Okay? Uh, there's a lot of things that we do to help people read and understand and obey what God says in the Bible. Sermons that I preach on Sunday, we're just walking through a book of the Bible. Awana, which starts in a couple of weeks now, uh, those students are memorizing Bible verses, right? Youth group, youth group, Pastor Nick and the other volunteers, they're teaching the Bible. Sunday school, I, maybe you didn't know this, but Sunday school, um, we've got some great teachers teaching some great content. So if, you, if your kids are with us from first through fifth grade, they're using this gospel project curriculum, they will get through the entire Bible over the course of those years. So that's five years. So we're not just like hitting a couple of like, you know, normal kid Bible stories, but they're hitting the whole of Scripture over the course of five years. We want our young people and our old people to be grounded in the Word of God. So this is not just something we do alone. We don't just read the Bible on our own, which we do. And if you want help doing that, we can give you some help in doing that. By the way, Pastor Nick, in the, in the bulletin, Pastor Nick and Jen work together on this resource report that is so, 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 so good. And it's especially aimed at parents, but if you don't have kids and you just want to read some really good content because maybe you have grandkids or maybe you just care a lot about kids in our church, use the QR code in the bulletin and get subscribed to that because it is, it is really good. And it's, this, this month, what they put in there is a whole bunch of links to learning how to read the Bible better, right? So, so that would be a very helpful resource. We need to hear from Jesus. This is something that we do not only alone, but we do it in community. We do it with his family. I love Ephesians chapter 2, 19 to 22. Uh, that's going to be up on the screen there. And here's what it says. Notice how these things, this building up on the foundation of Jesus is something that is done all together. Okay? This is something we do as a community. So we read here in Ephesians 2. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the, here it is, foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We hear Jesus by reading the Bible alone and we hear Jesus in community with one another. 
So jump into one of those things that Pastor Nick had a list of announcements and he didn't even cover everything. Look in the bulletin, find out what's going on, find ways that I need to just hear Jesus more and people are getting together to do that. I want to be with them. Okay? Then number three. Number three, do what Jesus says. We aren't just people who are interested in hearing Jesus. We are people who are committed to doing what Jesus says. Parents, Again, how many times have you had the experience of saying something like, it's time to get going, and you know your kids heard your voice, but it seems to have had absolutely no effect. Whatever they were doing, they just continued doing that as though they heard absolutely nothing, right? That, that can be frustrating. It's very possible for us to hear something and do absolutely nothing about it. Did you notice the two pictures of the houses again? That the difference wasn't that one heard the word and one didn't. The difference was both of them heard it, but in one case they did it and the other one they didn't. The the back of your bulletin will have our memory verse for this week, which comes from James chapter 1. Don't be deceived. We don't want to be hearers of the word only, but also doers of the word. James just echoing what Jesus was saying here. Isn't this a great but really hard ending to Jesus' sermon? He has all these commands. Love people who don't deserve it. And and we can hear these and be like, "I, I, I don't know if I can and I don't really want to do that. And Jesus says, well, then your house isn't going to stand. Don't just be people that hear my word and don't do it. This is hard work. What Jesus is calling us to here, this is hard work. Notice how even when it talked about the foundation, it says digging down deep. Right? They dug down deep. This is work. This is where the rubber meets the road. We need to help each other with this because making disciples is not just sharing the gospel with somebody. It's, remember the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to know all the things I've commanded. No. Teaching them to hear. No. Teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded. Part of discipleship, disciple-making that we're doing as parents, that we're doing as a church body, is we are growing not just in our knowledge of what Jesus says, we can even hear what Jesus says and like what Jesus says, but Jesus is calling us to do what He says. And this is hard work. And we need help from one another. That's one of the reasons we have life groups. So in your bulletin again, uh, we just put our life groups are getting started. Adults, we've got ways for students to do this. Uh, Life groups are the ways for our adults to be together in fellowship with other people and admit together I need to not just hear what Jesus says, but our life groups are based on the sermon on Sunday. So you don't have to like go study something else. You just have to show up on Sunday, listen to the sermon, and then get together with some other people who are trying to figure out, okay, how do we do that? Right? It's not just a Bible study for more knowledge. It's people trying to figure out, how do we do what Jesus says? We need to help each other with that, and it's so good to be a part of a church that values that. So I'd encourage you to consider looking on the back there, seeing when life groups meet, and jumping into one. Doing what Jesus says is hard. 
And we need his help and the help of one another. So, let's dig deep and build on a rock-solid foundation. That's all I got. Let's pray. Father, life is hard, and, and we just hearing this picture from Jesus of storms raging, some of us feel that. We're just like overwhelmed, and it's maybe not even super hard stuff right now. It's just like all this stuff together feels like we're just kind of getting pounded all the time. And so we're lonely, we're addicted, we're busy, we're overwhelmed, we're anxious, we're depressed, all kinds of other things that we are right now. We feel these storms. And if we're honest, we hear your commands, and they just sound too hard. We have a hard time loving the people that love us, let alone loving people who are against us. We have failed to do what you say, and we are so grateful for the forgiveness that you offer us in Christ. That we have a Savior who says, come to me. And thank you that you have put your Holy Spirit in us. And I pray that you would help us by your Spirit to help each other, not just hear what you have to say, but also do it. We just give you thanks that in the midst of the storm, we have, as we sang earlier, a sure and steady anchor, ballast of assurance, that we have a rock-solid foundation, Jesus, who is the cornerstone and who is our hope. In his name we pray, amen. If you're able, please stand.